Welcome to the 61st episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and stand-in obstetrician, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you doing today, my friend, Simon Eady? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, you know? You know? You know? I don't know. That's why I asked, but that's cool. I'm not sure I understand. What the hell, Siri? Siri just decided to chime in. Mm. This is a two-person podcast, Siri, okay? Just pipe down. Pop it down. All right. So I want to apologize in advance, Simon, because oh. more than likely, my my little my little girl, Ellie, she's going to be barking because there are fireworks going off. And uh, I wondered, is there any holiday going on right now this weekend? Not that I'm aware of today is the 28th of august mm-hmm. that is the day we are recording this no so, holiday that i'm aware of so why? unfortunately though this is the date in which if i'm not mistaken that chadwick boseman passed away last year so that's a sad thing that is sad nothing to really celebrate except for maybe celebrating his life mm. but but yeah all right let's assume these people are doing fireworks for that i'll let it slide i'll let it slide but my dog might bark loudly she's terrified of uh fireworks oh so she's terrified, but she barks at the fireworks. Mm-hmm. Okay. The way she handles fear is by barking at what she's afraid of. Huh. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I had uh, a few dogs that were really, really scared of fireworks. Mm. Um, yeah. It was not good. They would hide in the bathroom. They found the cold kind of idea of no windows in the bathroom. You know what I mean? They would hide like mm-hmm. behind the toilet. It's it quite sad. They were small enough, those little puppies. But yeah. Um. I don't know if you saw Adrian, but uh, the Scarlett Johansson whole debacle with Disney, that lawsuit situation, it kind of uh, developed a little bit. Did you see that? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I did see a little bit of it. Um, it's quite interesting, Simon. It's quite interesting. Yeah, Disney tried to push the lawsuit to arbitration, which would arguably have made it uh, less visible to the public, which is kind of what... Uh, Johansson's lawyers kind of pointed out, they're, they're like, oh, I see now. Now this is too much heat on the old house of mouse. You got you to gotta take the heat off, get the, get the eyes off the situation because you're a little bit embarrassed. Mm-hmm. That's what they were trying to say. But uh, They should be embarrassed. I agree. I think it's embarrassing. I, I just think that what was said is just so ridiculous. So whoever the PR person in quotations, quote unquote PR person, was that stated that you know it was callous during COVID to try to ask for the amount of money that you're due is a little bit, you know, I don't know what, how they got that job, but it just seems quite odd. It seems like an incredible oversight. It's absolutely ridiculous what they said. And again, I still, it like frustrates me to hear that. It's absolutely ridiculous, but that's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz. Yeah. For those who don't know, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney because of Black Widow not being exclusively in theaters, which in the clause of her contract, she's supposed to make more money based on a theatrical release. And really, Premier Access helps her in no way, according to her anyway. And Disney claims that she should shut up, <laughs> basically, in a <laughs> nutshell. 
Elizabeth Olsen kind of like said something in an interview. I'm not sure why. It was some, maybe a promotional interview and not related to this. And she was kind of saying, "Oh, you go, girl." Basically, <laughs> basically, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like I, she, it's good for her that she's doing that because it's it, again, you can't. I, I, I would like to reiterate for any haters of this situation out there saying, "Oh, she's making thirty million dollars. Isn't that enough?" The truth is. It sets a precedent, and that's the idea. If it was $5, I would do the same thing. I don't care if it's $1. You can't do that to me. If we have something written in a contract and you're going to claim that it wasn't supposed to be theatrically exclusive or whatever, and it really kind of was supposed to be based on what we talked about and what was in the contract, then I was gonna, I'm going to fight for that. Because the next time when mm-hmm. maybe I'm making $1 million and it's going to mostly be based on ticket sales that I'm getting a cut, um, then next time I'm going to make way less and it's because I didn't fight this time and you're going to think that I'm a pushover. So the idea of pushing back now as opposed to later is important because you got to make sure that you stand your ground so that people don't walk all over you. Because it's unfortunate because people just seem to do that. Like when big companies want to walk all over you, they're going to do it if they know that they can get away with it. So I think that that is the key. Yeah, man, definitely. You give an inch, they take a mile. Right, right. You'd think that Disney, because Disney kind of seemed like a nice company to me. I don't know. There's something about them. They, uh, Kenneth Stadelbauer always mentioned this, that they, they, they're interesting. They, they would, uh, you know, run these movies on Family Channel or various movies. They create movies about uh, certain inspiring events in like a sports scene or something like that. But they wouldn't really expect to make a whole bunch of money on it. They just kind of make mm-hmm. movies kind of, I don't know, in good faith, kind of that were more, you know, had a good moral to the story type of scenario uh, type movies. They would make those types of films, which I think that is respectable, uh, not necessarily hoping to make a ton of money. And that was something that they did years ago. And I, I don't know, I kind of respected them as a, as one of the biggest production companies uh, as much as you can. But it seems like they had that, not that that time is over, but they're making some weird moves at this time during COVID. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't respect them. So, yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Speaking of Marvel movies, Adrian, <gasps> Adrian, let's just start this podcast off with a bang here. I'm sure you've watched it because the whole world has pretty much watched it. Anyone who's a fan of Spider-Man has watched it. The Spider-Man trailer, Spider-Man No Way Home, the trailer for that came out this past week. What did you think of that? I didn't like it, honestly. You're a liar. I know you're a liar. I am a liar. I am a liar, Simon. This was hype as all heck, dude. This is super hype. I can't wait for this movie, man. This is this was a wild ride. This trailer, I think it beat the record of the most watched trailer within 24 hours previously held by Avengers Endgame, which is bananas. That Spider-Man has more gravitas than the entire Avengers universe. It's kind of wild to think about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know they're Let's stop you right there for a second. Just, just before we get out of you know get out of hand, then the entire Marvel universe is not necessarily true. They have Doctor Strange in this film, and the idea is I feel like the reason why this particular Spider-Man movie, first of all, Spider-Man is probably the most loved hero in Marvel, but with him combined in the Marvel universe is likely why this trailer is so popular in the first place. I just want to say that just to get that out of the out of the way. Does that make sense? Do you agree? That does make sense, Simon. Thank you so much for the clarification. I appreciate that. <laughs> it does make sense. But y- you know what I mean. It, like it, Avengers had everyone in it. It's yes. literally the end game. It's it's the it's the culmination of you know ten years uh, of lead up or twelve years of lead up. How many however many years of lead up? You know what I mean. And it's pretty wild that this 
was watched more than that. I know Doctor Strange is in it, but it, it, it puts it into perspective uh, that everyone really loves Spider-Man. And I think a lot of what that has to do with is that this is also connected deeply with like people's nostalgia of the Raimi movies, you know, with the inclusion of Alfred Molina, um, who played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. You know, I even, I even like those movies um, from back in the day. I, I have fond memories watching that when I was a kid, even watching Spider-Man 3, which isn't a good movie. I remember, you know, staying home sick one day from school and watching it from start to finish and liking it enough. But, you know, still being like, this wasn't that good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This this trailer gets me very excited. And honestly, I I think I'm a believer now, Simon. I think I'm a believer. I think I think we're going to get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in this movie. I don't, I think so. I don't understand. I, I learned by proxy. Cause we don't talk about this podcast that you specifically, Never. that you are now a believer that suddenly Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield would be in this movie. And I just don't understand what changed because there's not much that we have to go on to suggest that they would be in this movie that we didn't already know. Like we knew that Alfred Molina was going to be in this. We knew that Jamie Foxx was going to be in this. We didn't necessarily mm-hmm. know that Willem Dafoe would be in it. Is he? Question mm-hmm. mark? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Based on the trailer. There's also, there's also um, this brief frame that looks like the lizard from the first Amazing Spider-Man movie that he's like breaking through glass. You know, people are thinking that might be him. There's also, you know, at the end of the trailer where uh, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is say, like says, hello there, Peter, or something along those lines. He's not saying that to, to he's not saying that to Tom Holland, man. He's saying that to Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. I feel it in my balls. I just don't, what people are saying. You, and I'm like a conservative, Simon. I need what? to see it. To believe it. See what you once didn't it, see it. Once, it happens, to, see once it, it happens to me, I'll start believing it. And I knew all these facts, but once I'm starting to see it on the screen, I believe it even more now. I, I, I'm on the, I'm on the side of everyone else. Tom, uh, sorry, Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield. They're gonna be in, be in it together. This, this, this movie's gonna be nuts. I'm gonna still set my expectations. I'm not gonna be overly disappointed if they're not in it. But I feel it, man. I think they're in it. I'm all aboard that hype train, baby. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm literally going to see it to believe it because Tom Holland is a leakyish damn ship. Other than maybe Mark Ruffalo as an actor trying to hide a you know a secret like this. And if he acted alongside Andrew Garfield or Tom, you know Tom Holland. He is Tom Holland. Yeah, or Tobey Maguire. Um, then I think he might have slipped up and said that he was. They were in this film or. I guess he was instructed to act maybe and 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 not and and not give away at all to say specifically to lie. He was told to lie to say that he wasn't acting alongside Tobey Maguire. But I just don't know because he said no multiple times. He was asked multiple times. There's lots of hints to say that they're not in it. And why would I get my hopes up to be disappointed in that regard? Because if they're not in it, that is pretty disappointing. Would it not be disappointing? It would be a little bit disappointing. I, I'm not going to lie, but honestly, I just uh, I want to be a believer, man. I want to be uh, all aboard this hype train. You know, th- there was there's things that came out, you know, not too long ago where we saw uh, Deborah Ann Wool, uh, who plays uh, Karen Page from the Daredevil series, uh, alongside Kirsten Dunst, and they were walking on the streets just drinking coffee together uh, near the set of Spider Man this Spider-Man movie with the multiverse and you know that no way home that one. Yeah. Did you blank that, that, on the title? No, I, I, I know the real name. 
<laughs> Spider-Man, th- this mo- this one with the multiverse is, is what it's called now. And, uh, you know, they, they were seen near the set. And, you know, that kind of peaked or like, you know, piqued my interest. And I'm like, okay, so maybe like Kirsten Dunst is in this. So maybe, you know, Tobey Maguire's in it. And if Deborah Ann Wool is in this movie, you know, and she's playing Karen Page possibly, you know, maybe we're getting we're getting Matt Murdock. Well, maybe well, Matt Murdock is going to be the lawyer for him in that trial. We don't see his face. He's slamming books on the counter. Right. You know, you know, you know who else we see slamming books on the counter, Simon? Matt Murdock in the Daredevil series. Right. So Charlie Cox might be in this. That that actually could come true. His, his mm-hmm. the way he's standing, the way his stance is, if you look at that, people have examined that trailer a hundred times, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But the way he wears his tie, it seems like it's possible that that's Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, as the lawyer for Peter Parker in that interrogation room's moment that shot in the interrogation mm-hmm. room. Um, if you take a look at the trailer again, you can notice that. That that could happen. That's fine. But again, I just have to ask you, what changed your mind? Because there's nothing to indicate that those guys are in it. We knew that Alfred Molina was in this movie. I, I just don't – see it to believe it doesn't – doesn't work for me because you didn't see anything. There's no Tobey Maguire and there's no Andrew Garfield. So what changed your mind, Adrian? I want to know how your mind works. I need to understand. We're doing this podcast. We're at episode 61. I need to know how it works. Why did your mind change? Let me know. Because of the hype, baby. I'm watching this trailer and now I'm hyped. We didn't know Willem Dafoe. We weren't certain about Willem Dafoe. We saw we saw the little goblin bomb from the, um, you know, from the original uh, – Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, that's in this movie. It looks fairly similar to that one. So, you know, with him in it, there's also a scene in the trailer where Tom Holland is pretty much wearing the exact same outfit that Tobey Maguire, uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man wore. Oh, that matter. Spider-Man movies. That's you a know? silly it, tidbit that has nothing to do it's with It's not silly, Simon. You're just a hater, man. You just hate. You, you know what? You're that kind of kid that went to school and told people Santa wasn't real. That's no, what I'm you are. That's the vibe you are I'm literally that today. guy. I am keeping no. your expectations in check because now you're outrageous. You went from zero to a hundred, and I'm staying in the middle at fifty. That's what's going on here. You know, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. No, how am I that guy telling people Santa isn't real? I'm saying Santa's in this goddamn movie. We're getting Santa Claus in Spider Man. This is the multiverse one. You know what? You're the guy who you know some like uh, you know. The uh, what are the what's the name of that uh, Christian group that knocks on people's doors and tries to get you uh, to to join up? The Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes, you're the guy who the Jehovah's Witnesses knocks on your door and then they say, "Hey, do you want to join us?" And then you join them full force and you let go of all uh, ungodly possessions, all of your house, you sell it all, you sell all your possessions, and you just become a man of God. Is that is that's who you are? You, they just knocked on the door gently and, and started telling you about the stuff. They gave you the pamphlet, and you're like, I'm sold, baby. That's you. Uh, I don't think so. I, I'm actually friends with a Jehovah Witness, and uh, they haven't converted me yet. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that will happen. But yeah, this is There was an analogy. You don't oh. think I, I actually went to school and told people that Santa's not real as a kid, did you? Oh, no, I definitely think you do. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Getting a little off track it. here. Anyways, I'm excited uh, anyways, about this. I'm excited about this. Too. I think there's a good chance that Matt Murdock is in this movie. I think that Alfred Molina did an incredible job in Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 2 arguably is still at the near the top of my favorite superhero movies of all time. It's just still – I feel like it really does hold up. I think that Sam Raimi's 
not trilogy, but the, the first two films are quite good. And I don't know. They're interesting. They're, they're even bloody and, and everything like that. It's just the third one that just makes no sense. I'll always remember the line, mm-hmm. I cleaned your father's wounds. <laughs> he died by his own hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, that was a retcon and a half. Yeah, well, it's not about a retcon. It's just a implausible plot. It just made no sense. It's just not well written in any capacity. Yeah, there's also rumors that even Sandman from Spider-Man Three is in this movie because there's like a scene with like a bunch of sand flying around. But again, that's literally just a scene with sand. Okay, so. again, you are that guy who just believes now everything he reads. You, you were. It's, it's unreal. I'm not believing. It. I'm just saying it's thoughts possible. here. Extreme. You think Sandman in the, the one of the worst, maybe one of the worst superhero movies of all time, Spider-Man Three? He now he's going to be in this. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying it's possible. The guy who that was a retcon. The situation with uh, Uncle Ben and Spider-Man Three that was a disaster. Oh, I know. Get rid of Sandman as fast as possible because that was a stupid plot. Because Sandman was in that. Although you could have put him in that in another capacity, it would have been fine. That was just terrible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Spider-Man 3 or don't because it's a terrible movie. But, well, uh, no, watch Spider-Man 1 and then watch Spider-Man 3 so you understand exactly what the retcon was. Yeah, watch it makes no sense. five hours of film, two and a half hours of which are not good. So that we Skip can... the best one. <laughs> yeah, skip the best one. The first one's really good though. Again, Willem Dafoe is just, man, the fact that he hasn't been like cast as the Joker as an example so far is just kind of mind-boggling because he would be perfect for it and he just plays a villain so well and when he's not playing a villain he's also amazing but just Mm -hmm. think he's an incredible actor and everything he's in he brings like you know he like the the light is shone on him like it's it's i was trying to make a lighthouse reference but anyways he's really good that's all i'm trying to say that's a great movie it's a really good movie the lighthouse yes yes indeed okay okay adrian should we move on to uh, some show corrections? Do you have more to say about the Spider-Man trailer? Uh, no. Other than I'm all aboard the hype train, baby. But yeah, in terms of show corrections, I just want to do a little clarification. Um, I mentioned that I'm watching uh, Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, season 11 through AMC+. Plus. I think I mentioned that it drops a little bit earlier on AMC+. Plus. Maybe I didn't. Uh, but it actually launches a week earlier on AMC+, Plus before it launches on actual TV. What? Interestingly enough. Um, And I wasn't, yeah, I thought it was a little bit silly as well because they do a talking dead after, uh, which is like that Chris Hardwick talk show that airs immediately after the walking dead. But obviously it's a week behind because it airs on TV right after. Well, that's okay. The walking dead. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit odd there. I haven't watched the talking dead in quite a while, but I do like Chris Hardwick. I think he's a very interesting dude. Well, uh, I like how he hosts things and stuff. Are you uh, like are you? You have an issue with the concept that it's there's Talking Dead so long after the airing of the episode? Yeah, I'd prefer it to be like immediately after. I like doing that. Like when uh, I pretty much did that up until like season nine, I'm pretty sure, where I watched it on air and then I'd immediately watch the Talking Dead after. Oh, I right see. after. Sure, they should just know, put it on the streaming service. You mean? Yeah, I kind of wish they did. But again, the Talking Dead. Sorry, yeah, the Talking Dead is live. So they do it live after it airs for everyone else. Oh, because uh, I think they have like call-ins and then people in the studio and stuff. So that is a strange situation again. But I can't even. Yeah, it's a strange situation, but I, I don't understand why they would even do this at all because it's almost too much foresight. Like they realize that streaming is the future for sure, but they still. 
at the same time, they still bank on people tuning in because of the Talking Dead. So the Talking mm-hmm. Dead really won't exist in the world that they believe will exist in the future because if they're airing it a full week early, like for each episode, that means that they must be banking on this AMC Plus streaming service lifting off and just like eclipsing anyone watching cable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But to be fair, I mean, there's one season of The Walking Dead left. I imagine that means there's only going to be one season of The Talking Dead left. I don't think they did The Talking Dead for any of the spinoff shows as far as I'm aware. I might be wrong about that. They, oh, they have Talking uh, Saul, don't they? It's cr- Chris Hardwick's doing like talking multiple no. different shows on AMC. Oh, no shit, eh? I don't know that. Talking Bad, better I think, talk was Saul. one of them. Is it Better Talk Saul? Is that what it is? No, but I feel like that's a good that's a good name. No, it's not. It's Talking Saul. 2016 to present. Hmm. Yeah, seems to be still running. Should have called it Better Talk Saul. That would have been way better. Yeah. So it seems like a seems like a miss. But anyway, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Okay. So you didn't really make an error, right? I guess you're just clarifying that from last week? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. That's it for show corrections from what I understand. There's not much else that I picked up on for last week. Um so moving on then, Adrian, what have you been watching this week? Other than that incredible Spider-Man trailer, which again, I may not be as hyped as you, Adrian, but that again, that trailer was amazing. And like it is amazing. Because of the hype behind it as well, that's probably why people tuned into it with such fervor because everyone's just kind of spreading it around, realizing, hey, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield might be in this because mm-hmm. of, of course, Alfred Molina being in it. Um, so I think that that's likely why is that people are very excited. Every Spider-Man fan since 2000, what, 2002, when the first Spider-Man mm-hmm. movie came out, is kind of just buzzing at the concept of the ultimate Spider-Man movie. With all yeah. their favorite Spider-Man in it, yeah. so many Spider-Mans, so many Spider-Mans. Okay, so many Spider-Mans. Anyway, I got really sidetracked. I was asking what you watched this week. Anything else? Anything of interest? I guess on the topic of Marvel, I did watch the third episode of What If. Oh, me too. Did you? I okay, did indeed. Cool. I did indeed. What did you think? I liked it. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was okay. Like I, I think it's better than the first episode, worse than the second. Ooh, um, I don't again, know if I agree. It's, I think it might be better than the second. Oh, fair enough. Teach their own. Uh, yeah, to me, I think it it's really hard to get past all these people not sounding like their characters in the actual MCU. And I think in the second episode, I think it benefited from that the most because practically the entire voice cast came back except for um, uh, Dave Bautista's Drax. And again, he's only in it for like 10 seconds. In this one, we follow, like we actually see every single Avenger pretty much, um, the main Avengers. And they are not voiced by their same actors, most of them. And again, it's just very jarring to see, especially uh, Scarlett Johansson's like Black Widow um, is not voiced by Scarlett Johansson, obviously, um, especially now with that uh, lawsuit going on and everything. And she's like a prominent character in this one and she talks a lot and it just sounds way too different. It's not even like slightly close. It just sounds off because even like the Tony Stark at least is like some guy mimicking Robert Downey Jr. And I don't know. In terms of the actual story itself, I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a really cool idea. I think like kind of the twist about it is pretty neat. Um, Like this one is about like, what if the Avengers like fell? Simply put, I think that's what the name of the episode is. And again, they do a lot of cool stuff and went ways that I didn't expect. And I was like pleasantly surprised uh, when it wrapped up. But again, I think the major issue with these episodes 
even the second one, which I really liked, is that the, the pacing is just relentless. It's just go, 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 and it doesn't stop. And it doesn't give enough time for characters to develop, even though we're, I guess we're supposed to know how they are. Um, and I don't know. I don't really love this series. I'm actually like pretty down on this more, more than I thought I was going to be um, after that third episode. Um, I don't know. What do you think, man? Uh, I do like this show now. I, I didn't like it because of the first episode. I felt like the characters didn't have the emotional resonance that they should have. It has nothing to do with pacing. You know it's going to be fast. It, it has to be quick. They're 30-minute episodes. I don't. For me, it's just – I just felt like the first episode, the characters didn't care about the things that they cared about in the in the movie series, like the, the movies and the shows. And I, that was the issue is that the characters didn't seem like themselves in that first uh, – like first season one episode then episode two airs and that kind of went away there was moments of comedy which was interesting that they took took a beat to actually do that which is exactly what the rest of the mcu is it's it's comedy mixed with drama kind of thing and and then some action that's really what it is and i felt like that was missing in the first one if that one felt like the pacing was relentless as you say because there was just no no emotional connection. There's no character connection yeah. at all. It felt like it was, it was a two hour hollow. long movie crammed into 30 minutes. It was like hollow. So that's the big yeah. problem with it. This episode, again, they had, they threw some comedy in there. They, uh, they had moments where characters actually reacted to, to big moments that would affect their lives, which I was like, oh, okay, cool. They understand they're the writers understand that Scarlett Johansson cares about a certain character, that Nick Fury cares about a certain character, that there's, there's actually caring. There's, they're not just, Random robot people that are going through the going through the motions. That's not what we're doing. And then I'd also like to point out that uh, the characters you're saying that the you know the, a lot of the actors didn't reprise their roles uh, as characters. Most notably, probably was Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and Scarlett Johansson reprising their roles as each of the characters. I can see why Scarlett Johansson <laughs> didn't reprise yeah. her role. I don't know if that was. Uh, if it would have been before, just because of how uh, early Chadwick Boseman would have had to record his his role in the dialogue. second episode, yeah, his dialogue. Uh, but I would say that actually a lot of the characters were voiced by the actors. It's, it's not that many. It's just Scarlett Johansson. I find is the main one. Almost everybody else was in this episode, and um, I mean Tony Stark isn't in the third episode that much, so it, it wasn't as noticeable. I guess he was kind of in it as much as Drax in a way. So um, yeah, I don't know. Did you? Was there someone else that you're like, ah, that's that's clearly not them. Um, um, there is like one character that appears at the end that I don't want to spoil. That definitely wasn't voiced by the actor. Um, oh, I again, don't know. very brief moment. Not sure um, who, but okay, interesting. And yeah, there's yeah again, there's a few just characters. I don't know. It seemed off. Yeah, like um, it's impressive to me. Like I had said in the beginning, the first episode, I, I'd said that Samuel L. Jackson. Was not voiced, was not voicing Nick Fury. That's not true. He was in it. Yeah. I, I didn't. I just. I guess there was so minimal. He had such minimal lines in the first episode that I just. I guess I just didn't recognize the voice, and I because I assumed based on the fact that Chris Evans didn't come back to voice Steve Rogers that Samuel L. Jackson would not have either. But Samuel L. Jackson is such a fan of comic books in general that it would actually have been more surprising that he wasn't invited back considering like Jeremy Renner was in this. Like we had uh, like um, we even had Mark Ruffalo. Like it's, it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. the number of actors that they brought back is way outweighing the ones that they didn't. It's just, it's, I think 
so easy to notice because of the fact that they just they missed out on on inviting certain characters certain actors back but anyways yeah. i almost don't know if like i would have liked it better if everyone was just voiced by a different character like I, I i don't know whether or not i would like that more because then you don't have the contrast of the characters being voiced by their like actual actors versus characters that aren't uh, um but i guess you wouldn't know that for sure it's an interesting theory i don't agree just because i i get a kick out of see, hearing most of them i i think if they were at 50 percent, then i'd be like okay no there's no, there's no point. Just do one or the other, like no half measures. But I, mm-hmm. they only missed out again on a few. Like it's not that many ultimately. So um, I'm very curious about which actor you're talking about at the end of that episode. But we can talk about that outside the show, or we can't actually. So you can you can you know email my girlfriend and she can let me know which which actor mm-hmm. it is that uh, was at the end of episode three of What If. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Anything else you watched yeah. this week? Uh, yeah. Uh, I watched the movie Free Guy, Simon. Oh, me too. I watched it in theaters. Actually. Me too. In Guelph. Next to you. Oh, what? Yeah. Were we in the same theater? We were. We didn't talk, obviously, but we went together. Or, well, we met there and, uh, you know, did our... I didn't even see you. Oh, that's, that's crazy. I saw you. I was watching you from the, from, that's from, creepy from that the you shadows. Should... It's creepy that you thought we went there together. You said the word together. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretended we were, you know, I... <laughs> I've been lonely the past little bit. I just, you know. Yeah. Anyways. Hell. um, What did you think about Free Guy? I really liked it. I really liked it. As a video game fan, I feel like it made many video game references. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. Like, I didn't love it. I thought it was fine, honestly. I feel like this is very much... (laughs) I think it's very similar to the Lego movie. I think this is the live-action Lego movie more than it is like a live-action Grand Theft Auto or something. I think the way the movie starts off is very, very similar to the Lego movie. And I was like, oh, man, is this going to be literally the Lego movie? It, you know, isn't beat for beat that movie by any means. But uh, I think there are a lot of similarities. You know, they they do a bunch of references to a bunch of different IP and and things like that. And, again, uh, the way that movie starts off is – honestly just so reminiscent to the lego movie where uh, i was worried i was like oh no i do like the lego movie though um so i wouldn't have been too disappointed but i don't know i think this movie's like pretty good i don't think it's i don't think anyone needs to rush out to see it by any means i think it's fun funny um you know ryan reynolds is always like a delight to watch but the more i see of him it's it's almost just like he keeps on playing the same character over and over again um and yeah, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a, I want to see a little bit more range from him, I guess. I know back in the day he would do like different movies, but I feel like now he's just, he's, he's set on the role that he wants to play and he continuously does it over and over again. Um, and again, even in terms of like the Lego movie, it's just about, you know, like a, like a main character that's, you know, living a, a mundane or life that, that they repeat over and over again. And then they slowly, you know, realize that they might, have like a bigger purpose or and get more like self-realization as as the movie progresses and all of that stuff um but i do agree with you like all those video game references were cool to see like there's a lot of them and i was like oh that's neat and uh i think this movie does a lot of like actually really funny visual gags i would argue that i laughed more at the visual uh gags like throughout the movie than the actual dialogue itself which i guess is uh you know, the tip of the cap to like the, the, the editors of the movie and like, you know, the writers of the movie. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. That, that's kind of my like main thoughts on this movie. Interesting. It's an interesting thing to think like to say that he's kind of the same character in every movie. I don't know if I agree with that. I didn't really think of that. I, I was thinking kind of like um, Ryan Reynolds. Whenever whatever he's in, it seems like he just he kind of pulls all the attention in a good way. And that I feel like he. I think going into these movies, like in this case, directed by Sean Levy, he's, I think he's doing another movie with Sean Levy too. I think we talked about this. Um, it's a movie I think where he goes back in time and meets himself as a young child or something like that. I think that was that's the other Sean Levy movie he's going to be in. But I, I, yeah. I find that. He's he's kind of an attention grabber for the audience. Like I feel like he does he does kind of hook the audience in just based on his attitude toward everything, and he's just comedic and everything. And he's always an optimist. I think he's always an optimist, but he's not always this underdog. Certainly, is that what you were saying? Like Ryan Reynolds is always the underdog and everything, or you were no just- no like yeah I guess like that optimist and the way he reacts to specific situations and then kind of just like. I don't know, just like kind of how he delivers dialogue and stuff. It's it's a very similar. Yeah, he does um, yeah. deliver dialogue similarly. He is Ryan Reynolds, but uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's but, not. You know, he's, he's no chameleon. He's no like Tom Hardy. But he's only doing comedies, though. That's the only thing. He's as he's, of late. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, he, he used to do like more drama movies. Like I, I remember that movie, like Buried, which came out in like I don't know, I want to say like 2013, maybe maybe way before that, where he's just in a coffin the entire time, um, things like that, and. uh I don't know. I'd kind of like to see him do a little bit more than just in these like comedy movies where I feel like his, his style of comedy is the same every single time. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I really care that much. I think his comedic timing is great. And like, uh, it would be cool if he branched out a little later, I guess. But like, I don't know if you look at a lot of comedy actors, they don't always, they don't always do other things. Like Steve Carell is like a, an outlier and that he started to do, you know, little Miss sunshine. And then he kind of branched out from there and, did more drama, mm-hmm. but I feel like not a lot of, or even actually Jason Bateman's a good example too. And that Ozark is a drama, but he kind of was mo- mostly doing comedies before, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't or know even like ma- people like Melissa McCarthy, you know, like she kind of started doing a lot of comedy roles and now she's doing far more serious things, got like Oscar nominations and things like that too. She's a mixed uh, bag. I feel like she mm-hmm. was kind of a mixed bag pretty early too, but, um, but yeah, that's fair. That's a good. That's a good one too to mention. But yeah, it depends what he wants to do, I guess. I just think his comedic timing is really good. It's really good in this film. I think the references are good, as I mentioned. I uh, I like the idea of the way that they treat the concept of like the non-player character, like the NPC idea, and in, in, in that we both play video games with a lot of NPCs, of course, like with open-world games like Red Dead Redemption. And I think that that kind of it made me think a little bit, um, which was good. I feel like there was good like really good music choices as well. Pretty good CG. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned this, the idea of this concept of these things in the background that made you laugh. I would agree. It's funny while people are talking to each other with dialogue, there's weird things going on behind them. that You can just kind of point out if anything, this movie reminded me most of ready player one, to be quite honest, um, because of the number of references. Um, and it's yeah. more, but it's more Definitely of a comedy. better than that movie. Uh, I don't know if I'd agree with that by long mile. Because Ready Player One's not a good movie, but yeah. Anyways, continue your thought. Yeah, yeah, you're in the minority on that one, but uh, yeah, yeah. Fifty percent of this podcast doesn't believe that, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, doesn't believe that as well. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, I thought it was good, and I think that Jodie Com- Comer is really good, and I feel like I want to see Killing Eve because I think that she she likely will like kind of again steal the show in that as well. Yeah, um, 
Although Sandra O oh is really good too. Yeah, no, I really like Sandra O, oh, um, especially for my uh, love of Grey's Anatomy that she's in, and also she plays uh, Deb Grayson in um, Invincible. Like she's a voice actor there, and yeah, like I, I heard Killing Eve is fantastic. So I definitely agree with you. Like seeing, because I don't know if I've seen her in much else, honestly, other than Free Guy. I can't think of seeing her in anything. Like I know that she's in Killing Eve, but that's pretty much it. I didn't do any research on that. But uh, yeah, it definitely piques my interest for that. Yeah, like um, this movie, I'm kind of trying to keep my expectations as I kind of started with this in the beginning of this podcast. Um, so that we started talking about this concept. My expectations, I try to keep them in check. So I try to keep them at like a 50% level going into anything, no matter what it is. I kind of been doing that for years. But in this case, I did the same thing, went in, and I was pleasantly surprised in the same way when we saw Jumanji in theaters, to be honest. Like, I just felt like there was kind of a similar idea. Jumanji, the remake with The Rock, not the Robin Williams one, about a, basically about a video game as well. Kind of a similar concept with NPCs and stuff like that. I just, uh, I don't know, there's like a lot of weird cameos in it. And I just, I don't know, I, I kind of, I, I equated to that just because my expectations weren't really, they weren't through the roof. People were saying that they love this film or whatever. It's kind of mm-hmm. going around on social media, Rotten Tomatoes, the, the critics really loved it. But I kind of kept an even keel and I came out pretty pleasantly surprised. There were some pretty funny references. Ryan Reynolds was great in it as usual because his comedic timing is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so that's my my two cents. Good movie. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I don't think you should run out to see it, but uh, definitely worth a watch. I would I would make the argument that I, I kind of wish like I went in with very low expectations, to be honest with you, because I saw all the trailers and like I just felt like I already knew this movie beat for beat. But I was still actually pleasantly surprised. There are a few surprises that the trailer doesn't reveal. Like there's an entire subplot that is like not even really talked about in the trailer. And I or at least not that I remember in the trailers. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good watch. It's definitely not amazing. Um, I would say that I like Jumanji better, like the, the new Jumanji movies better than this one for sure. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. In, in terms of that too, like I like this movie better, I think just because of this optimism uh, and just in, in COVID times, I feel like it's like a product of the time we're living. But but yeah, I respect your Aww. opinion. Have you watched anything else? I respect yours too. Respect that's, too, man. that's nice. That's that no isn't worries. that nice, Adrian. What else did you watch this week? Anything else? I watched one final thing, Simon. Actually, I watched a few other things, but I'm not going to talk about. It. I watched Candyman. Oh, Candyman. No, no, Candyman. Nope, Candyman. Candyman. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't have done that, but all right, that's fair. You have a sound effect, and that movie's freaking oh, okay. awesome. That so you had a sound effect of you know ripping someone's throat, queued up on your on your YouTube, but you don't. Uh, so it was poorly prepared. Yeah, yeah it's because it's a it's a fairy tale. It's a it's a it's a it's, a, it's folklore. But anyways, um, did you watch this movie? Did you just try to tell me that this was a fictional film? <laughs> oh no way! Oh crazy! Um, I did watch it. Did you just ask me if I watched it as well? Yeah, I watched it with you. I was sitting right next what? to you. I don't know. I didn't even see you there. Is that so? Because I bought your ticket, so I don't know how that's possible. And you were late. I bought you the free guy ticket, you bozo. I was just trying to do this role reversal and like do like a like a like carry on a joke, but you failed. You obviously failed that. You just had to ruin the goddamn joke. You just always got to play the straight man. Anyways, this is what happened. Um, okay. You were late. You were late. 
I got off work right at 10 when the, when the movie started. I drove next to the Whose theater. Whose fault is that? Is it my fault? God, I fucking hate you sometimes. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Anyways so how was Candyman? How, how'd you like How'd you like Candyman? Was it Was it good? Was it better than Free Guy or was it worse than Free Guy? Let's start with that. It's, it's significantly better than Free Guy. I think this is awesome. I think this is one of the best horror movies I've seen in – Oh, I don't even know how long. Um, it's a different kind of horror movie than the Fear Street trilogy, which I absolutely adore. Uh, I would I would put it more on the level of like uh, the Invisible Man, where it's like, you know, is this thing real? Is it not sort of deal? And I was, again, like I was enthralled by this movie. I was uh, the entire time the movie went on. I was honestly like fairly, uh, I don't want to say terrified, but I definitely was like scared and tense and stressed out throughout the movie and these are all things that i kind of want to feel when i'm watching a movie like this and i really freaking loved it i like i genuinely loved it and the more i've thought about it the more i'm liking it honestly uh, i've had a day to stew on it and a few of my coworkers were asking me about it today and like every time i like brought it up i just like i i, I felt like i i liked it more and more um every time i brought it up and yeah it's it's this movie's something special um it's great what did you think? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, my girlfriend didn't really like it that much. She was kind of on the fence. She just, you know, she liked it, but not necessarily, didn't necessarily love it. Um, to give like a bit of context, I guess, it, it follows an artist named Anthony McCoy. Uh, he lives in the, this, uh, this part of Chicago called uh, Cabrini Green, uh, in which there's a legend uh, of this murderer type, almost like a, ghost type figure called Candyman. If you say the name Candyman five times in, in a reflection of yourself, uh, he will appear behind you or in that reflection and murder you. And so it ba- it's just based off that kind of concept. Of course, this is a spiritual sequel to the 1992 film uh, of the same name. Um, and it it's funny, I was reading the, I never watched that film, but I watched the, uh, I just read briefly the premise of it. And uh, Anthony McCoy is, is is listed in there. It, it talks about Helen. Uh, Helen is it Helen Lyle? I believe it was. Yeah, Helen Lyle. Um, so I was surprised. I don't know. Have you seen the original Candyman, Adrian? I hadn't. I'm not. A, I was never a big horror guy, so I, I just never been a fan enough to to watch it. But I, I didn't realize that this is that much of a sequel. I guess that was my own mistake. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a sequel either. I thought this was just like a reboot movie, and. Um... I definitely want to go back and watch the original Candyman movie. I, I, I don't know how good it is in comparison to this, but uh, yeah, I had no idea that it like re- like the original one was uh, referenced so much um, or this movie was, I, I guess, a, a, a sequel to that movie. It is referenced quite a bit. It is worth it is worth maybe checking out. It's um, but I just again, I'm not a big horror guy, so I'm not sure I'm going to do that. Although this movie was really good, I completely agree with you. And I just must must call out Nia DaCosta, the director of this film. I'm very excited now for Captain Marvel two. I think that again, mm-hmm. like Disney Marvel chose another great director to head up a really important sequel in in their Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I think that Marvel Captain Marvel was an okay movie. It was good. I just I I want them to go. Like above that, just top notch with the next one. I hadn't really known the other directors who kind of made Captain Marvel one anyway, but I now I know Nia DaCosta and like, man, some of the cinematography in this film, I oh, I was just like, that was one probably my favorite part. I know it's a mm-hmm. horror movie; it kind of makes you feel 
feel really uneasy the whole time, but there's just certain elements and it just starts with the amazing cinematography. That tit- those titling sequences, whether like shooting the, like the, um, not the skyline, but like the tops of buildings upside down is just extremely mm-hmm. unsettling. And then mix that with the score from Robert A.A. Lowe. And it's just so eerie. I love the score, by the way. And it's not a lot Me to too. it. It's just very eerie, but I almost feel like I could listen to it kind of just working on this podcast or something. I just I really do love it. I just think that, man, again, some of the cinematography with like, there's like shots down hallways where, um, um, sorry, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Yaya Abdul-Mateen too from Watchmen and now this film. And like, mm-hmm. he was, by the way, great in this movie. Like the, He's amazing. He's so good. But he's like walking down these hallways. There's this one shot of him, like a tracking shot, where he's walking down this hallway and it's like a circular hallway in an apartment building. And it's like all the walls are like yellow. I just, I was like, oh my goodness. And it's just so well tracked. I just thought, I, again, there's multiple ones like that where it's just cinematography is just great. And it just, it's eerie because of the way it's shot. There's a scene where he's like wearing like a painting outfit in the middle of the street, like this abandoned street in the projects. Mm. Oh, it's just, it's so well done. I just think that, uh, yeah, there's there's not much to dislike about this movie. There was some – I feel like at the end there was some stuff that was kind of fuzzy that I kind of wish it wasn't fuzzy near the, the climax. That's the only thing that I was like, ah, I feel like they yeah, should have clarified that by by now. Um, I agree completely. Um, I think, yeah, the, I think the ending is arguably the weakest part, but it doesn't make it a bad movie by any means. I, I still really like the ending, but uh, I definitely agree with you. It is the, uh, th- there were things left that I wish were answered almost. Yeah. Um, it's also, of course, like the first one, apparently it's, it's charged with the concept of like the, again, the social justice themes of racism, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can kind of tell that from the trailer, but it's done very well too. It's not very preachy. Honestly, I I feel like it was done very tactfully, um, in that regard too. Yeah, I don't, I think, yeah, like I think throughout the movie it was done very well. Um, it's a little bit on the nose at, at points like the, where they really highlight like police brutality and the way they kind of show it. I think, I think it is very on the nose, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I, I would make the argument for, and again, it's not like this shit isn't happening. Um, I think Coleman Domingo, who I actually know from fear, the walking dead, as well as, uh, he has a role in euphoria is a big highlight of this movie too. albeit like a relatively small role. And he's just such a fantastic actor. And, you know, he really hammers, uh, hammers home, like the, you know, the statements about like, um, you know, uh, police brutality and, 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 you know, you know, black people being murdered and, you know, people not caring until like a white girl's murdered and things like that. It's, it's really interesting. And they really cover those themes incredibly well. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's done masterfully, honestly, e- even with that, like, yeah, he- almost heavy handedness at, at certain points. Um, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I guess it wasn't super subtle at times. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Tayona Paris's character is literally named Brianna, which I don't think is an accident. Mm-hmm. But uh, I yeah, like um, in reference to Brianna Taylor. I think so. She was, by the way, amazing too. Like Tayona Paris, who also isn't going to be in Captain Marvel too, which is yeah, funny. she was in uh, with Nia DaCosta. She was in um, Wandavision. Yeah, Jesus. I, I, I was going to say Scarlet Vision. 
<laughs> like that's not the name. Yeah, she's in that, and you know she plays Monica Rambo in that universe, and yeah, it gets me excited because, I mean, yeah, like we, we get to see Nia DaCosta and her team up again. She was amazing. There's uh, one scene in particular where. You know, there's like that typical horror trope, you know, like people like see like this dark area and they oh, yeah. and they just, you know, they just go to it. And it's like, why is this character doing it? And sh- her character seems to have a head on her shoulders. And uh, there's a couple times in the movie where it's just like, yeah, she just she's not making dumb decisions. And I feel like that's a lot a big issue in a lot of horror movies where it can really pull pull someone out where characters just make dumb moves. And you're like, well, fuck it they deserve to die at this point and this movie does not have that at all actually um which is great yeah yeah real quick um mention as well uh i always talk about skins uh how much i love skins and there's another skins alum in this one uh, sorry not skins uh, my bad uh, misfits alum in this which is another british show which i really love i watched it while i was watching skins back in the day and uh the gentleman's name is nathan stewart jarrett he plays uh uh, actually, uh, Tayona Paris's uh, brother in this movie, he plays a main character in uh, the TV series Misfits. And uh, it was nice to see him as well. It's interesting to see all these like uh, actors from these this Brit- these British TV shows I watched back in the day now being, you know, Hollywood movies. It's kind of cool. Indeed. Yeah, I know what moment you're talking about with Tayona Paris and I laughed out loud. Yeah, me too. That's really good. It's again. There's. I don't think there's anything to complain about except for a little bit of fuzziness mm-hmm. near the ending, where it was kind of just like I don't really. I, I understand what's happening, but I feel like you're now explaining a lot of the plot all of a sudden, and I just was like, I wish you didn't do this. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I feel like they cleared it up by the end, and actually, the I think it ends with a bang. And I would also like to point out the light show, like the puppets, light puppets, like shadow puppets. Oh, so yeah. good, so well done, so creepy. It's almost Tim Burton esque in the way it's done. But then it goes into another level of creepiness. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I don't know. I definitely have like played something or watched something that did something similar. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I love that. Like almost like paper light show um, style. And it's it it adds this like level of creepiness. And the way they do it is just. It's just so goddamn good, man. Yeah, I almost forgot to mention that because uh, yeah, I genuinely I love those scenes. I, I really love this movie. Like, I, I really love this movie. And if you are going to watch a movie, um, you know, you only have one ticket. You can only go once. Watch this goddamn movie. I think it's so good. So good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like the – I would also like to mention if you do go see this movie, watch it until the end. Just wait in the theater and don't line up to leave mm-hmm. because literally there's like a – they show the shadow puppets at the end and it tells another story when the credits are rolling, which I always appreciate in movies – because it kind of makes you kind of sit there and watch the credits because I do like – I don't know. I like the appreciation for the people in the credits. You know, the gaffers, the, the, you know, the lighting designers, the, the gra- computer graphics artists, et cetera. But I just think that that – The light- assistant twos. Yes. Yes. And the best the best boys. Best boys. But I do, I do agree. Um, yeah, the, 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 the credits are just actually very mesmerizing. I, I really enjoyed watching the credits actually. But they were all – everyone left. Everyone, we all these people in front of us were just getting up and leaving. That's why. That's why I pointed that out because it, almost everyone in the theater was leaving while there was literally a, a full story being displayed throughout the credits. And it's like, why are you? What, what's the rush? <laughs> I don't understand why you you waited here. You were watching this for two hours. You can't wait another ten minutes. That's mm-hmm. too long. I've always been confused by that, but I guess it makes sense when there's just a black background with white text scrolling down i guess people aren't really keen on that but in this case it's boring in this case they missed the scene they missed the scene but anyway 
Cool. Cool. I recommend it as well. It was great. Alrighty then. Should we move on to the news? Candyman. Okay. Candyman. Yeah, that's unnecessary. Candyman. Candyman. Are you going to answer the question? I, I just want to move on. Nah. I think our audience doesn't necessarily need you just name the name of the movie that you, we just talked about over and over again. Five times, baby. I'm tempting fate. Okay. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one. As Publication Deadline reports, Roku has renewed the Quibi original thriller TV series, A Most Dangerous Game, for a second season with actor Christoph Waltz returning to his role as the game organizer, Miles Sellers. When Roku purchased Quibi's content library in 2020, they later added the content to the Roku channel, a free ad-based application, to not only host the Quibi content, but also to make way for future Roku original series. So far, Roku has renewed the Kevin Hart starring action comedy series Die Hard and the aforementioned A Most Dangerous Game for sequel seasons. The story of A Most Dangerous Game follows prey and hunters of a high-stakes centuries-old game in which millionaire human hunters hunt for desperate lower-class human prey within the confines of a major city. The longer the contracted prey survives, the more cash their surviving family makes away with. The first season follows actor Liam Hemsworth's character Dodge as he battles various hunters throughout the city of Detroit. Season two will reportedly take place in New York City, with Umbrella Academy actor David Castaneda set to play a downtrodden fighter named Victor Sorero willing to participate in the game in order to assist his sister. Adrian, what do you think about this news about Quick Bites, Quibi, Quibi's content on Roku? having been renewed, especially a Most Dangerous Game. Uh, I think it's kind of neat, man. Um, we reviewed a Most Dangerous Game back in one of our earlier episodes uh, last year, and I think both of us liked it quite a bit, if I recall correctly. Um, I think it's a pretty damn like fun show. It's a neat idea, and I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited that Roku is going ahead and you know renewing these shows. I totally missed um, Die Hard being reviewed, I'll be honest with you. Um, so it's kind of cool that uh, that show is coming as well. And I'm curious if they're going to continue developing or sorry, uh, continue renewing any of their older shows or are the, if they're going to develop some new original series in a similar format, um, the, the format being, you know, short, quick, bite sized episodes. Um, I think David uh, Castan, I want to say it's Castaneda. Um, cause I think it has like the little accent on the end. If I recall correctly, I might, I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it does. Uh, he plays an awesome character in umbrella Academy. And I, I really like his, you know, how he acts in that movie. And I, I'm kind of curious how they're going to, you know, bring him in to this series and what they're kind of going to do with that. I feel like, um, I feel like they can do some interesting stuff and probably, you know, he is a Hispanic man and maybe they'll like play up that sort of aspect of it and, you know, bring in like, you know, these, these racial undertones and stuff like that throughout the series. And um, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. You know, I'm down to see Christoph Waltz and pretty much anything. He's a, he's an amazing actor as well. So I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely up on this. I'm uh, I'll probably watch this. Honestly, you just got to buy yourself a Roku device there, pal. Mm. Yeah. Um, you're probably right about uh, David Castaneda's name. I'm going to just do the classic segment of our show in which we get Google to pronounce names we pronounce poorly. Ready? Mm -hmm. Yeah. David Castaneda. Oh, 
I think I, I said Nita. What did I say? Nita? I don't David Castaneda. Nita. Maybe I said Nita. Anyway, Nita. David Castaneda is what okay. Google says. Maybe that's still slightly inaccurate. We're not completely sure. Who's running this Google pronunciation? It says American pronunciation here. So <laughs> unknown. Unknown what that really means. But uh, regardless, that's what Google says. I'm excited for this as well. I like A Most Dangerous Game, I, as you said at the top. Um, I do like it. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I watched it on my breaks because it was so easy to watch because Quibi does that kind of idea of these quick bites and that they're, they're like 11 to 15 minute episodes. Um, I wonder what this show is going to be. Is it going to be 11 minute episodes? Yeah, that's my biggest like uh, wonder, I guess. Like, is, is Roku going to go the route of Quibi and make these you know, episodes bite-sized or are they just going to make full-length episodes? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good qu- – yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I'd imagine that they would just make half-hour episodes – like 30 minute episodes would probably make more sense for them on the Roku channel. I'm not because there's sure. no like Roku channel app, is there? Like, I can't get the Roku channel on my phone, can I? Not in Canada. So, in Canada, we don't get that apparently. I don't know if that's going to change, but apparently, you have to have a Roku TV or a Roku device, like a Roku box, in order to get uh, this stuff. I have a Roku device, so it <laughs> works out for me, I guess, but. It seems like right now in Canada, that's the way it is. I could be wrong. If we find out find out that's different in the next few episodes, well, I guess we'll mention that. Like episodes of our show, we can mention that as a correction or clarification uh, at the top of our show. But right now, it seems like in Canada, no. But in the US, I believe you can get an iOS or Android app. You can play it on Android TVs, Samsung TVs as well. Like You can just get the Roku channel built in there, and then it's like an ad-based service. But that's the way it is now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for this. The premise is great. I, I, I couldn't believe I, how much I liked this. And I, I, again, I'm very excited. It's strange when I was, even when I was writing this, the, the concept of like the millionaire human hunters, like chasing these human prey, it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. I, I just really like the idea. It was also, Liam Hemsworth played kind of like an everyman. So now we got this character who's not an everyman. He's a, he's a fighter. Like he's a, he, he might be a boxer. He's a mixed martial arts fighter is what I was reading. So that's kind of a neat idea and a diff, different perspective. So we got someone who can fight back, not just based on adrenaline, like flight or fight, but he's actually a trained fighter. So he could mm-hmm. be like a force to be reckoned with, which could be cool. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that's, then they can do a lot of new, neat stuff. Like maybe it's going to be like a John Wick, Wick sorry, a John Wick-esque um, type series where, you know, obviously John Wick, um, he can absolutely murder a bunch of people. And, you know, he is being hunted in, uh, in I think, the third movie or whatever movie he's being hunted in. And, you know, like we see we see him like fight back and absolutely destroy. Um, so uh, if they can do something similar, just make it a TV series. Yeah. The only thing I would say as an argument against that is that this is a game that's been running for years. And usually I believe like Christoph Waltz's character, he just researched these people to such an extent that he's not just picking them randomly. So if it was somebody like John Wick, he wouldn't have picked them. They have to be somebody who is is prey. Like it's got to be. I think it's also a premise of a, an underdog story as well. Like John Wick, mm-hmm. he kind of comes off as the underdog because he's like one against a hundred thousand, like so many damn assassins. It's like a thousand people, um, and that's kind of what's happening here. It's one man against five trained people. So he's probably not going to be an amazing fighter. I'm guessing. I'm curious. It is a curious – it's a kind of a curious idea because, again, he Liam Hemsworth's character, I believe he was a track star, if I recall correctly, to dodge. That was a thing that he was. So I don't think – Christoph Waltz does want to give the hunters a challenge, but I think that 
he doesn't want to do, you know, it doesn't give him a crazy challenge. So that was, I think you mentioned that actually on, on that episode that we did review a most dangerous game that the, one of the most interesting things about this story though, is the fact that the hunters are so interesting. Like they're each have their own backstory. They seem very, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're not like normal people. They're unique, like kind of, kind of crazy to be honest, but there's a word I was trying to come up with, but I can't, couldn't think of it. Uh, Eccentric. I, thank you. That's exactly the word. Thank you, Adrian. Wow, you got it. Right? You're in my head. You're in my head. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, eccentric. Yeah. Anyway. In your head. In your head. All right. Zombie. So, okay. Zombie. Yep. Zombie. <laughs> oh, that's incredible singing. Wow. Just Thank amazing. You, you should do like uh, Andy from The Office. Oh, wow. I didn't get that reference. Number two, as reported by Deadline, the idea of a reboot to network NBC's hit comedy series, The Office, has certainly not been ruled out by The Office executive producer Greg Daniels or NBC Universal's content chief, Susan Rovner. The American version of The Office is a beloved series that follows the lives of various office associates working at a paper company in Pennsylvania called Dunder Mifflin. Many of the actors cast in the show's nine seasons became household names because of the quality and reputation of the series, including star Steve Carell, whose career was launched into the stratosphere with his portrayal of branch manager Michael Scott. When asked about the potential for a reboot, Susan Rovner reportedly said, quote, whenever Greg Daniels wants to do one, we're standing by, unquote. Adrian, thoughts on rebooting The Office with Greg Daniels at the helm? Seven, uh... I don't know. I'll I'll tell you. I'm not too sure how I feel about that. Like, is it like going to be a reboot? Is it going to be you know set in the same universe and like kind of a sequel to it? Like, what what is it really going to be? Is my kind of wonder when I think about like an office reboot because I I wouldn't want it to be like a reboot in terms of like oh we're just going to rehash like similar stories and have similar characters but it be you know a different cast and stuff. Um, I would prefer it to be like a sequel to it and maybe we'll have some people that show up. Maybe we won't. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. Like I wouldn't be totally against it. Like I love The Office. I think it's a hilarious show. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's necessary to like reboot. What do you think about it? Yeah. No, not a fan. Why? Why reboot it? First of all, this wasn't even that long ago, honestly. Um, 2013 is when it ended, I think. Right. Uh 2005 to 2013 i'm pretty sure yes that's when it ended okay cool but um yeah it just doesn't make a lot of sense it's an incredible show what are you gonna do that was better than that like you kind of have to up your game a little bit i mean you could reboot it but why and it's supposed to be a reboot like not a sequel so i don't think they're looking to bring anyone back if they were bringing characters back and they had a good idea for like a sequel type series Fine, but I don't think you're going to pull John Krasinski back in. I don't think you're going to get Steve Carell. So I'm not really sure. I mean, Rain Wilson, maybe. I don't know. Like they've all kind of gone on to great things. Um, Craig Robinson, as an example, great things. Like the guys in like many movies constantly, and I, mean, I don't know. He guest stars constantly in <laughs> Brooklyn Nine Nine and things like that. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that this is unnecessary, and it's cool that they are thinking about this, perhaps. But I just. Uh, I'm not really I'm not really feeling it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not something that's necessary. And I feel like I mean, like Michael Schur, he was one of the, the, the co-creators of The Office, um, one of the main writers on that show. And, you know, he, he went on to uh, make, you know, Parks and Rec alongside, I think, Greg Daniels, if I recall correctly. Um, and then obviously Michael Schur also made um, 
Brooklyn nine, nine, which is fantastic. And it's like, we don't necessarily have to tap back into the well. Like we, we can, can make a new well. We can, we, we can make something different and, and still have, again, similar themes and tones. Like, uh, I know you really like Superstore. I, I think some of the writers of Superstore were former office writers, if I recall you mentioning that. Did I? I think you did. Maybe I, I imagine that. I don't recall. Is that true? Because it, it is similar in some tone, but I, The Office is a far better show. Oh, I know. I know. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, pretty sure you did. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um but, you know, like we have these like workplace comedies that have obviously taken taken a lot from the office. And I think you said it best. Like, can you like if you do a reboot, like, how are you going to do it better? I don't necessarily think you can. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just definitely something that's unnecessary. Yeah. Like Greg Daniels is still working on TV series. So is, uh, you know, Mike Sure. Michael sure. So like that's still happening. Space Force has actually come out already for for Netflix with Steve Carell in it. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty good. It was it was a rocky start, to be honest, but it got way better as it went on. I told somebody that I was watching it and they said they heard it was terrible. And I convinced them as a coworker. I can't remember who it was. I convinced them to end up watching it. And then they ended up watching it. By the end of it, they're like, oh, you were right. It actually got really good. And I'm like, yeah, it was pretty good at the end. I mean, it's uh, the, the dynamic between Steve Carell and uh, John Malkovich is mm-hmm. – pretty great and you got throw ben schwartz in there and you got a recipe for success i feel like eventually just the chemistry didn't didn't click immediately and i felt like they were trying too hard almost it was a little strange but i think that uh that's a one if you really want to watch a greg daniels comedy it's a workplace comedy there's one i guess but you yeah uploads another thing that he's working on i wish to watch the first episode of upload like on amazon i think it's on amazon prime yeah, it's an Amazon original. I think it is, yeah. I watched the first episode and I did not like it. it that one, it made no sense. And the writing in that seemed like it was awful. Uh, so I'm not sure. But people love that show and it's well-reviewed. I'm pretty sure like it's actually on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's really highly reviewed in, in, you know, in comparison to Space Force. So mm-hmm. there are other shows. I mean, Upload is not a workplace comedy, but Space Force certainly is. So I don't know that it's necessary to do, again, go tread over these same waters as you mentioned. So Yeah. Yeah, in terms of upload, like it, it stars Robbie Amell, and honestly, there's something about Robbie Amell I just don't really like. Like he's just in a bunch of crap TV. <laughs> to be fair, he's like one of those CW actors that uh, you know I guess had like a couple of hits, but I just don't think he's all that great. I hate to like bash on him; he is a fellow Canadian, but um, I just don't think he's all that great at acting. And anytime I see him and stuff, I'm just. It's like, it's just not that good. I feel bad for saying it. Um, just to clarify, though, Justin Spitzer, he was a producer and writer for The Office. Uh, he um, is a part of Superstore. So I do remember that correctly. I'm pretty sure you, you mentioned that way back when you were reviewing Superstore. <laughs> I, I don't I don't recall that. But uh, yeah. but yeah, by the way, Upload is like 88% of Rotten Tomatoes. So critics love it. But um, mm-hmm. I want to make it very clear about something. I love The Office. It is my favorite comedy of all time. I want to make that very clear. So like when I'm saying I don't want a reboot, it's because you just can't top it. And that's ultimately what I'm saying. Because it is the greatest. It is amazing. It's well done. It's down to earth people that you can relate to. And they are the relatability just launches the show. And as I mentioned with Steve Carell's career into the stratosphere, like I just feel mm-hmm. like that concept of these wild characters like Michael Scott and, um, and Dwight Schrute compared with 
John Krasinski's character and, and Pam, and like that's the that's the dynamic that makes the show incredible. Um, John, John Krasinski's Jim. Sorry, I don't know his name escaped me, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but Jim Halpert. And so, and the and the relationship between Jim and Pam, it's it's just so well done. There's just so much amazing about this. And I've watched this show. I haven't really watched this many shows that at least have this many seasons a number of times. And I have seen The Office all the way through twice because I just think that it's just it is some of the best TV ever. And uh, so, I just yes. Do I love it? Yes. Do they need to reboot it? No. Create something different. Another office comedy that doesn't take place in a paper company, maybe, and don't call it The Office. And you can you can get by with making it different enough that it is kind of like The Office. People can compare it to The Office, but it isn't The Office, like Superstore, as you point out. Mm-hmm. Um, although, again, not nearly as good. So uh, if you could com- you know, combine Daniels and sure, again, they team up together like they did with Parks and Rec. We got uh, we got gold on our hands because those guys work obviously amazingly together. I think you love Parks and Rec much more than The Office, even so. And I think that if you yeah. could do this combo again, because they again they partnered up for Parks and Rec, so par- partner them up again, do something else, you know, lightning in a bottle kind of idea. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. Alrighty, number three, as noted by publication The Hollywood Reporter. Spider-Man Far From Home actor Jake Gyllenhaal has been cast in the film adaptation for creator Robert Kirkman's 2018 comic book series Oblivion Song. Oblivion Song follows protagonist Nathan Cole as he attempts to rescue 300,000 lost Philadelphians 10 years after an event called Oblivion. Gyllenhaal's production company Nine Stories is set to produce the movie alongside New Republic Pictures. To speak to her excitement for the new project, Nine Stories co-founder Reva Marker stated, quote, when faced with a cataclysmic event that permanently alters our lives, what would we choose to save? Just as Kirkman did with The Walking Dead and Invincible, in Oblivion Song, he's created the potential for a franchise that is profoundly entertaining and the perfect opportunity to explore big questions we're reckoning with globally, unquote. Adrian, I know you're a Robert Kirkman fan, at least for Invincible and The Walking Dead, the comic series. What are you thinking about this? Um, I don't know. I'm curious about this. I haven't. I definitely have heard of like the Oblivion song, and I, I was curious about you know giving it a, a read. I, I've never gotten around to it. Like I think Invincible is amazing. I, I absolutely adore that comic series, and I really love the Walking Dead comic like graphic novels as well. Like I've read both of them to completion, and obviously Robert Kirkman has had um, a really good track record for at least his TV shows. You know, being adapted with both the Walking Dead and Invincible. Uh, being awesome TV series. Um, but in terms of this one being a movie, I always feel like whenever like a ongoing series of like comic books or something are being made into movies um, or just like a single movie and you're trying to adapt like a larger story and just kind of cram it into one, usually they don't end up well. I mean, you know, the MCU is kind of like a uh, outlier, but that's not really adapting like, like it's still a series of movies that continue and tell like a larger story. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a little bit different. I mean, I, I really love Jake Gyllenhaal. Like I think he's awesome. If he's attached to it, then uh, yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably give this a look and you know, maybe I'll, I'll start reading these comic books and see, uh, see what I think about them. But I don't know. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't exactly know like what this is going to be and, and, and the quality of it. So I'm not, I'm not fully sold on it. What do you think? Um, I don't have the perspective of the comics, so I just uh, I'm just going off based on the concept of Invincible, and 
the premise, which when I first read it, actually, I was like, oh, this looks like The Leftovers, which is kind of funny. It's funny that you mentioned that. That was the first thing that popped into my head, too. It isn't. It doesn't seem like, though, because this event, this Oblivion event, apparently only help, happens in Philadelphia. And there's an, you can go through this place called the Oblivion, apparently. And I think he tries to rescue them, like actually attempts to rescue them. So I think it's, I think it's more heroic than what The Leftovers is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I have to. I have to watch it, but or see it, uh, or maybe read it. But I'm probably not going to read the comic. But it, it does. It did seem like that to me. But it takes place only in Philadelphia, and it looks like you can kind of go into this this realm to try and save people. But it's difficult. I'm not sure exactly. Jalen Hall, though, big fan of Robert Kirkman's Invincible is actually incredible as an adapted adapted Amazon series. Again, I can't believe how good that is. I was surprised because it took so long to build as well. I was kind of questioning whether it would ever be good because they kept going <laughs> flitting between live action and an animated series with Invincible like repeatedly. So I was like, is this going to be good? Because I can't even decide whether it's live action or not. But it, it's amazing. So I yeah, I, I have high hopes for this potentially. And it's going to be a movie series, I think, based on the fact that, uh, again, Reva's talking about being a franchise. So we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Assuming the first one does well and is and is reviewed well. The thing is, whenever Gyllenhaal has been attached to something lately, it's been really good. Like in the beginning of his career, no, not necessarily. It was kind of hit and miss sometimes. But like now, the Prince of Persia movie when he played the Prince of Persia. That, that's the main one that I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, that one really not great. But it seems like he's taking control of his career, not necessarily exactly in the same way that Ryan Reynolds has, but I. Uh, and that Ryan Reynolds kind of he seems to be a producer on everything. But now again, he's got this. He um, he owns Nine Stories. Like he's a co-founder of Nine Stories with Reva Marker. So I think that mm-hmm. he's got control. Again, once you get to that point, when you're a creative that's of as much clout as Jake Gyllenhaal, I think there's a good chance that whatever he's going to make in the future, I kind of want to be on board. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in. Probably we'll see what happens. I'm curious. You never know, you know. Not all these Walking Dead series are great, so <laughs> you never know. But I think we got good creators making this, so I think it's going to be good. Right on, man. Cool. Alrighty. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as reported by website Variety and as stated by HBO's official Succession Twitter page, HBO's third season for the drama series Succession will debut in October of this year. I still gotta watch season two. Season one's really good. Number two, as Variety reports, Netflix has announced that the Cowboy Bebop live-action TV series adaptation will premiere on November the 19th, 2021. I gotta watch the rest of the Cowboy Bebop anime series. Where is that? Crunchyroll or Funimation? I don't know. Hopefully on the service that is both intertwined right with one another. because because sony now owns both mm-hmm. great reference great reference adrian number three as website collider reports the lighthouse director robert eggers has officially cast the witch actress anya taylor joy in his upcoming nosferatu film remake i really like those two movies i kind of want to re-watch both the lighthouse and the witch before this nosferatu remake comes out which I'm definitely going to watch. Number four, as Deadline reports, The Matrix 4 will officially be called The Matrix Resurrections and is still set for a December 22nd, 2021 release date. Mm, I still got to watch Matrix 2 and Matrix 3. Me too. Number five, as Variety has reported, 
Judas and the Black Messiah actor Lakeith Stanfield has been cast in the Apple TV Plus series adaptation of the Victor Laval novel, The Changeling. Hmm, I still gotta watch Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm seeing a trend with the uh, your responses, your brisk verdicts here, Adrian. Number six, as Deadline reports, Westworld actor Jimmy Simpson and Fringe actor John Noble have both been cast in the upcoming Star Trek animated series, Star Trek Prodigy. I still gotta watch season three of Westworld, actually. Which I gotta watch. I really like Fringe, though. And uh, no touching to Star Trek. Number seven. As Deadline reports, the AMC comedy series Kevin Can Fuck Himself, starring Schitt's Creek actor Annie Murphy, has been renewed for a second season. I haven't uh, watched Kevin Can Fuck Himself. I, I haven't really heard of it, but I, I do gotta watch Schitt's Creek. I, I wanna watch that show. Number eight. As Variety reports, Sex Pistols frontman Johnny Rotten has lost his lawsuit that aimed to prevent the Danny Boyle-directed FX miniseries Pistol from using any Sex Pistols music for the Sex Pistols-centered biopic. I'll probably watch this uh, series. I I kind of want to watch the series. I like Danny Boyle a lot. Number nine. As Deadline reports... The Avengers Endgame directors Joe and Anthony Russo have both departed the Magic the Gathering animated series adaptation due to creative differences, with the animated series veteran Jeff Klein set to replace the two of them as showrunner. Superman Returns actor Brandon Routh has also been cast in the series. Yeah, this is something I don't gotta watch. Number 10. As entertainment website IGN reports, Netflix has revived the recently cancelled NBC drama Manifest for a fourth and final season. I kind of want to watch Manifest. It gives me Lost vibes. I don't know why. It does. And so I added this story in here. And we're going to have a number bonus number 11 because of it. <gasps> but it's weird. The, I watched the trailer for this and it looks not good. But people like it. It started getting really popular on Netflix. So maybe it's great. I'm, I can't tell from the first trailer. Maybe I'll watch it. Number 11. According to Deadline, the Rise of Skywalker second unit director, Victoria Mahoney, has been hired on as the director for the upcoming sequel to Netflix's The Old Guard. The Rise of Skywalker is a bad movie. And it ruined the sequel trilogy. It's a bad movie. I don't like that movie. And apparently Victoria Mahoney watched The Old Guard like a hundred times since it launched last year, which is like a lot of times. It's not that good of a movie. Like what? why waste that much time watching that movie? I'm not gonna waste time watching the movie. Will I watch the sequel? Probably. Still gotta watch that movie with Kiki Lane, if Beale Street could talk, because I said that I was gonna watch that because I didn't think she was a good actress, but apparently she's really good in that movie. I gotta watch that movie. And that concludes the montage. <laughs> so yeah, so the Victoria Mahoney thing, when I saw that, uh, that thing about her watching, she she had, it was a quote, it was a statement about being hired on as that director. She said, mm-hmm. "I love that movie. It's amazing, and it like subverted expectations." And I watched it over a hundred times, and I read that, and I was shocked because like that's impossible. It's not impossible. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Well, it means you watched it two times a week since it aired. What a loser! There's no way. What a loser! Because it's simply not that good. Uh, the reason, by the way, I chose Rise of Skywalker second unit director is because she hasn't really directed any movies for years. So that's kind of the reason why I chose that as well. So yeah. I, I don't, I didn't mean disrespect by that because obviously we don't like Rise of Skywalker. But I don't know what she can do other than TV series. She's she's actually, to her credit, she's directed many single episodes of many great TV series. So that's good. But they're single episodes as well, which usually directors kind of stick around and direct 
multiple episodes, but that didn't happen in this case. So I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. I'm a little worried about, about this because I did like the old guard. Liked it. It's not amazing at all. And do I recommend you going out of your way to watch it? No. But it's mm. it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay enough. But it is not it's enjoyable. Enough. Like it's it's yeah, it's like worth a watch if you if you're bored and you got nothing else to watch and you're like, what should I watch? And you're like, ah, I guess I'll watch this movie. Yeah, it's, again, so uh, I don't have a lot of faith in this, to be quite honest, because I don't know why you would lie that you watched it over 100 times, or you did. And then what the hell is your problem? Yeah, I know. There's such better uses for your time. I just kind of think that she's like, she's kind of just trying to showboat. Like, she's trying to brag about this, this series so she can make it popular for the next one. But what she said, I think she didn't think about how when it was launched. I, that, that's what it seems like to me, like... You just didn't think about the timeline because you couldn't have – I've not seen any movie 100 times at all. There's not a – I've seen a lot of movies like 10 times perhaps, but I've never seen – like The Dark Knight I've seen at least maybe six times maybe. And like that's one of my favorite movies. The Prestige I've seen many times as well. That is my favorite movie. I have not seen it 100 times and I have no intention to do so because there's so many great things to watch. So again, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyways, let's move on. Let's move on, Adrian. What do you got for me? I got no releases for you, Simon. Oh, what are they? So this is for the week of August 30th to uh, September the 5th. It's a Tuesday to uh sorry, that's a Monday to a Sunday. Oh, I thought you were going to check it up for me. No. It's a Tuesday to a Thursday. Oh, however, the first movie that's coming out is coming out on a Tuesday. And that's August 31st, and it's Untold Crime and Penalties. This is a Netflix original movie, and it's another of this uh, docuseries Netflix is doing, except this time it's about hockey boys and a mob. Sorry, not a mob, the mob. Oh. Two different meanings, the mob. Oh, right, not just a mob of hockey boys or a mob Mm -hmm. of angry hockey parents. You're saying the mob as in the mafia type of scenario. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying. What's next? No worries, pal. Uh, now it's uh, the rest of the movies are all coming out on Friday, September the 3rd. And the first one is a movie called Worth. And this is a Netflix original movie that follows a lawyer in the wake of the 9-11 attacks as he puts a dollar value to the lives lost. Ooh. This stars Michael Keaton. Hmm. Yeah, it's coming out, what, uh, I guess like a week and a bit before the uh, – 20th anniversary of 9-11. Speaking of that, there was a 9-11 docuseries. Did you see that? No. By Spike Lee? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. And they had to like redo a lot of it because there was a lot of like 9-11 truthers in it. And it, and it was – and like people didn't like that. So it was like – Yeah. It was full of conspiracy shit. Well, like the final episode, I believe, Spike Lee, he was saying like I'll let people – I believe in the intelligence of my audience and I'll let them decide for themselves – but I don't understand how the buildings came down could have been caused by the planes. So he seems to be unsure of it, like legitimately. And I was like, whoa. 9-11 was an inside job. Right. That's what he seems to believe. Which That's our show's catchphrase. I've said it before. I'm not going to argue one way or the other, but I don't. Well, I am. I'm not. I don't believe that. I just think that Occam's razor. I just honestly, if I put, we'll put my two cents in. When there's a big event like this in general, doesn't matter what it is. Just think of anything. COVID. Sure. That's good. That's a good example, actually. Thanks. It's such a big event and so momentous that what ends up happening is people want to have an explanation as big of an explanation as the event itself. And because of this, their minds go to 
an explanation that is more extreme um, because they just can't wrap their heads around the lives lost and the tragedy behind it, which I, again, it is the greatest, one of the greatest tragedies, I guess, in American history, um, at least modern American history, I guess. And so that is big, but the, again, Occam's razor, the simplest solution is likely the, the right one. And there is a simpler solution. And I, I'm surprised that this was going to be airing. And I believe it's an HBO show. It is. It's an HBO show. And he had to cut out a lot of the episode because of because of this. In it was because of the pre-screeners, actually, that the, the pushback they got, the media kind of pushed, pushed back on it. And it was removed. I do wonder, though, whether the fact that it was cut will make the truthers push even harder to say, oh, see? They're silencing us. This is censorship. Dude. Dude, honestly, conspiracy theories are conspiracy theorists, I guess. They they're crazy people. And and they just they just keep pushing and pushing. And you know, you have all these people that were, you know, like anti-vaxxers and everything, like, oh, you know, like the the the, the none of these vaccines are FDA approved. And then as soon as, you know, Pfizer gets FDA approved, they're like, well, actually the guy that, you know, uh, worked for the FDA uh, is actually the guy that, you know, created the Pfizer drug, blah, 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 blah. And they just start putting these stupid connections together and make excuses upon excuses because they just can't handle what reality is. And again, like you said, it's Occam's razor, man. The simplest, um, answer is usually the right one or whatever the, the correct phrase is. And uh, it's, it's frustrating. And again, like when, when people are connected to something like that, because, you know, like literally thousands of people died, like, and it wasn't that long ago, 20 years, isn't that much. And you have people being like, well, it was an inside job. The government did it, blah, 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 blah. And it, it almost, it ruins, it can, how can I word this properly? takes away it takes away from the actual tragedy itself and i think it makes it harder to grieve for those lives lost and everything because people are just so focused on this outlandish story will last even longer because they want and more a larger another investigation even though there has been investigations they want larger ones to kind of jump in there and investigate and it just prolongs it for 20 years. Like it's still something that they're talking about now, like in this documentary that they had to cut these pieces out. So yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you. I get it. I, I get that if you're that close to it, you might want to find a, again, a bigger solution, but I just think that again, Occam's razor, but yeah. And I don't know, like even like COVID right now, like you all, you have all these fucking nut jobs, like talking about like, Oh, like this is, it's not that bad. Blah, 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 blah. Refusing to see just like actual facts and data just refusing, just fucking refusing to follow basic rules that will keep other people safe. And it's, it's, it's just this stressful time and COVID, I feel like maybe not done, but we could have been way closer to the end of this bullshit. If people just were fucking not idiots about this and not making up this, these outlet or following these outlandish theories that have no, that have no sense to them. And when you refuse to believe in facts, there's very little argument for you. Like there, you can't argue with stupid. You can't argue with a fucking brick wall because they can't see reason. And uh, that's my two cents. I don't mean to go that that deep into it, but it's uh, it's frustrating. And uh, I want COVID to be over just like the the next person. But I understand what it's doing and and how it's affecting the world. 
And uh, it's not to be taken lightly. Millions of people have fucking died. And people still can't fucking wrap their head around it. It's ridiculous. And that's my two cents. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. The um, There's a good chance, I think, that Ontario, like Doug Ford and the Ontario government is going to come around on the, the idea of the vaccine passport, which could prevent another lockdown, which, again, is so important for the economy. And I, I really do hope that that happens because, again, it's not really restricting freedoms. It's, it's just for a limited time until we can get back on our feet again because the Delta variant is ravaging um, Canada once again, which sucks. But again, the vaccine rate has dropped way down compared to where it was. We were vaccinating so many people every day. And now it's, uh, again, it's kind of being halted uh, because some people in Canada just don't want to get the vaccine. They just don't trust it for whatever reason. So I think that this passport concept is important because it literally, again, it isn't really restricting much. It's just it's going to lock down the people who aren't getting vaccinated so that to make sure everyone is safe as a whole, as a collective whole, because we're all in this together, ultimately. And that's kind of the whole concept. And that um, hopefully, we'll, if there is a lockdown of some sort, or like a modified lockdown for those who are not vaccinated, versus those who are, I, I do hope it's short. And that again, everyone can get back to their daily lives as soon as possible. Because again, we, we, we definitely want to be out of this. And we definitely don't want to be you know, not being able to go to the movie theater again, just to be, you know, hokey about it, because we're a film and TV podcast, but we really want to keep going to, to Cineplex. Yeah, I want to support my local theaters. I love the yeah. movies, and I don't want them to close down. I, I don't want another lockdown. And, and if it can be avoided, which I feel like it can be, we should definitely avoid it. Okay, sorry. We were, we're on a way sidetrack there. Um, but um, yeah, please get I'm vaccinated if you can. Please get vaccinated. I, I really appreciate you if you could. <laughs> That's Simon's all I'm saying. a doctor. Simon's a doctor. I'm, he knows his no, stuff. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Anyway, Adrian, what's the next movie coming out this week? After Life of the Party. <laughs> Speaking of a bunch of death. Uh, this is a Netflix original movie. It's about a girl who parties a bunch and then dies by a freak accident. And then she needs to right her wrongs in her in, in the afterlife to get her angel wings. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up is a movie called Cinderella. And this is an Amazon Prime video original movie. Uh, this looks awful. Absolutely awful. This is like a modern retelling of Cinderella. The fairy godmother is a guy named Fab G. And <laughs> no, that's it isn't. all you need to know about this. No, it is not. It is, Simon. I'm not I didn't make that up. I can't make that up. I'm, I'm not that creative. Come on. I'm I no, I'm not like I, I that that's the truth. This is an actual oh my, thing. Oh my goodness, yeah. It is a thing. Oh god. It looks awful. It could be good. Maybe it's good. <laughs> Fab G. Like Fabulous Godmother. Is that what that is? I guess so. I guess. It's strange. I didn't think for some reason, I don't know why, I didn't know that that was public domain, I guess. Because it, it isn't owned by Disney, right? That's that's what this is. It's on Amazon yeah, exactly. Prime Video. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how I didn't know that. I guess it's got to be public domain. But that's crazy. I hadn't noticed that until I saw the trailer, but I don't remember Fab G in there. But it's just cool, I suppose. I just don't, yeah, I don't know. Could, could be good. We'll, we'll see. What's the next movie coming out? Happier Than Ever. A Love Letter to Los Angeles. A Billie Eilish concert experience. This is a Disney Plus original series. Or sorry, original movie. And uh, all I really have to say about this is uh, I really miss concerts. 
Um, me personally, I have concerts that I could go to, but one of my favorite bands between the bear and me, they had a, they had, they're, they're having a tour right now in America and in Canada, but they canceled other Canadian dates, um, due to whatever issues, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, that's really all I got out of this. I actually like Billy Eilish's music. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie about it. Pretty good. Cool. 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 Pretty good. Her new album that just recently came out. Pretty good. Nice. It's worth a listen. Sweet. Yeah. Next up is We Need to Do Something. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app, and this is a video on demand movie. It's about a family that is trapped in from a storm, but the storm isn't the only thing they have to worry about. Oh, no. I know. Hands up. Uh, you asking me? This is confirmed by Movie Insider. Great moment. Great moment in Free Guy, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, again, another one of those visual gags. Okay, tell me about the movie Hands Up. Um, is the next movie on this list? This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's about a white police officer that shoots and kills a black man on the streets of Chicago. BLM protests spread across the city, and the cousin of the man that's shot tries to escape the city. All right. So, I don't know, maybe the protests got violent. I have no idea. Hmm. Yakuza Princess is the next movie, and this is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and it's about a young woman that discovers she's the heiress to the to half of the Yakuza clan. So she wages war on the other half to save herself. Uh-huh. Saving Paradise is up next. This is confirmed by Movie Insider and the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie, and a guy must go back to his small town roots and inherit his father's dying pencil factory. Will he save it or will he let it die? Question mark. Hmm. Don't know. Me neither. Wild Indian is up next. And this is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet. M.TheHeffNumbers.com and the Apple TV app. And this is a video on demand movie. It's about a man named Michael who left his reservation decades ago after covering up his classmate's murder. But his past come back. His past comes back to haunt him and he must do everything he can to protect his wife and his boss. I see. Yeah. And finally, the last movie coming out next week is, or this week, I guess I should say, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is coming out to theaters. And I've got to say, I'm pretty excited about this. I'm pretty sure tickets are available. We should probably buy those. Yeah, we should. No, they weren't available. I think they became available last week, if I'm not mistaken. Two weeks ago, maybe. Oh. Yeah, no. A lot of hype. A lot of hype behind this movie. And it's very well rated on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm in. I'm in on this. I'm so happy that this is so well reviewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it, I think it was, um, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but um, Simu Liu, like the main character, the main actor who's playing Shang-Chi, he specifically said that um, so somebody on Twitter, they were saying, oh, you revealed too much in the trailer. I know everything now. He's like, you don't know everything I, or something like that. You don't know shit or something like that. Like you, you barely know anything from the trailer, which I respect because we did talk about that specifically on this podcast. You know, we were uh, we're calling it out how much they revealed in those trailers, mm-hmm. but it seems like maybe not. Maybe they didn't reveal enough, or they did. They revealed enough, but maybe they didn't. They didn't reveal reveal as much as we thought, which mm-hmm. is great. It's very great. Yeah. No, I'm down. I'm so down, down for this. This will be the movie we review that we review next week, I'd imagine, for next week's podcast, episode 62. Sounds good to me, brother. Sounds good. Okay, then. Well, that's the end of our regular scheduled programming. I appreciate you, Adrian, and I appreciate you um, you joining me this evening to talk film and TV. Do you have anything to add? Anything that you'd like to say to the audience before we go away? 
for another week. No, nah, dude. I think that's it. That's all. But nothing much uh, else to add. I'm, I'm pretty hungry, so I'm going to go eat something and uh, probably go to bed shortly thereafter. Oh, tired boy. I am. Tired boy indeed. I am. Okay, then. All right. Well, then, thank you for listening to the 61st episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Yes, it is I am signing off, and uh, although I am a tired boy, you know who isn't tired? Batman and Batman v Superman. The only thing he's tired of is your shit. Batman v Superman's a good movie. Great movie, arguably. Anyways, take care. Goodbye. I think part of the premise of that movie was that Bruce Wayne was getting tired. That's why he's looking mm. to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was part of the. Yeah, I know. He's a grizzled Bruce Wayne. I know. I, okay. I realized that after I, I, I was, I started talking and I was like, I just got to stick with it. Okay. That's, that's fair. He's tired of people's shit. That's fair. Alrighty. Yeah. Goodbye. See you, man. I love you. Shang-Chi.